Psalm 107 this morning as we continue our series, The Treasures of Darkness. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And I hope this morning, and I pray that you know Christ as your Savior. That's really what it's all about, folks. Jesus' blood washes away our sins, and only the blood of Jesus. And if you have some questions about that, may the Lord help you to understand that today. And if we can be a help to you, we want to do that. But if you're at home, follow along with us this morning here. One of these great psalms this morning, Psalm 107. And we're going to begin reading God's word in verse number 21. The Bible says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad, because they are quiet, they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. And let's read verse 31 together. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. I want to draw your attention there back to verse 27. Where the Bible says they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. This morning's message right from that verse, at wit's end. Are you at your wit's end? That's the question this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. How precious, how powerful it is, Lord, how piercing the Word of God is to us, even to the dividing of sunder and the joints and marrow. Lord, I thank you for the mighty work of your Word, and I pray that it would be able to do its work unhindered this morning in our lives. Lord, may today's message, may your Holy Spirit minister to us. Lord, you know the needs represented not only here in this auditorium, but those listening by way of live stream. God, I pray that you would meet those needs. Lord, we know that you are able. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God this morning. This statement, at wit's end, kind of boggled my mind when I first saw it. I, I remember I, 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 I sent a message in our, one of our Dear Members translates every Sunday, and if you're listening this morning and you know people that, that really prefer the, 
Spanish language over the English language. Every week we translate the, the message into Spanish, and she's actually doing that right now. But I asked her, I said, what does this translate into the Spanish? And I found it quite interesting. I won't pronounce it for you because I don't want to make a mess out of it. But maybe you can look that up yourself. But I, the words itself literally mean to be agitated, to be beside yourself, to be distraught or overwrought, to be panic-stricken, puzzled. How about this? Unglued, worked up. Anybody felt that way in recent months? <laughs> it just seems like that's the way life has been, that People have been at their wit's end. Even some of God's people have been at their wit's end. This word wit has to do with our intellect. Can I just explain it this way? When you are at your wit's end, you've come to the end of your understanding. See, we are limited. We, we really don't understand things beyond a certain point. God is infinite. He knows all things. We are finite. And we come to our wit's end. When I think about this statement, it really has to do with the plans and the schemes that we come up with to try to deal with the circumstances of life. And many of the things that we have been facing. I talked to Brother Joe yesterday and he talked about being in the hospital. He talked about how he had been spending so much time with the Lord and how God had been speaking to him while he was there. You see, we don't understand. God's ways are not our ways. They are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, the Bible tells us. And in verse number 27, the Bible says that there's an individual here that finds themselves in a situation where they come to their wit's end, and they really are declaring, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. I, I don't know how to handle this. I mean, it's out of my hands. I can't change it. I can't work it out. I can't go around it. I, I, I don't know how to deal with it. This, this thing that's come into my life, it's bigger than I am, and I recognize that even though it's bigger than me, it's not bigger than my God. You see, he is our great God. How great thou art. This situation here where he finds himself at wit's end. I thought about that for a while and I thought this, that, you know, really being at wit's end is not a bad place to be. As a matter of fact, it's actually a great place to be because when we get to our wit's end, that's where we are willing now to allow the Lord to take over. You ever see that bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot? He doesn't need you to be your co-pilot. You need to get out of the driver's seat. Let God have control. Let him take the steering wheel of your life. I see this statement here, and I've thought a lot about it this week. And it brought me here not only to this verse, but it brought me to this psalm. I don't know about you, I love the book of Psalms. A lot of, lot of comfort comes to me from the book of Psalms. Psalm 107, all 43 verses of Psalm 107 really deals with life. This is, 
This is one of those psalms that you can live in every day. And it really tells us how God is working in our lives, how God wants to work in our lives. And when I look at this particular psalm, I think about how this psalm really helps us understand, just like Luke 1.37, with God, nothing shall be impossible. See, things are impossible for us. But with God, all things are possible. Romans 8.28, and I've been sharing this verse a lot lately, and I, I hope it's meant something more than just, just some little trivial thing that we throw out from time to time. But the Bible says again, we know that all things, not some, all things work together for good to them that love God. Do you love God today? See, to think about it, if you love the Lord, God says whatever's going on in your life, the circumstances that are going on in your life, if you find yourself at which end, the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has a plan. Years ago, there was a preacher, he was, he was a, 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 honestly a little bit of a, uh, his style and, and whatever was a little bit different than others, but he was used mightily by God by the name of Lester Roloff. Any, anybody know of Lester Roloff or hear, or hear Lester Roloff? I never had the privilege to hear him preach in person, but I've heard some of his messages. And this particular statement I, 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 I've thought about this week where Lester Roloff said, God puts all things together and somehow, miraculously, in the oven of life, notice how... And by the way, Lester Roloff was locked up in prison many times for preaching the gospel in his day, and he knows what it means to be in the oven of life, much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And, and he says, God miraculously puts us in the oven of life, and he turns up the heat. And after a while, God makes something beautiful, something God-honoring, and good for us out of the things we did not want at all. Now just stop and think about that. Because I'm going to tell you, when we go through situations, oftentimes we tend to look at the bad instead of realizing that God is working all things together for good. And Lester Roloff understood that. Can I tell you this morning, there's no greatness without trouble. There's no growing without trouble. There is no becoming more like Christ without dealing with difficulties. Jesus tried to help his disciples when he was on this earth to understand that. It's the difficult things that remind us of our need for the Lord, that we need to grow to be more like him. Uh, look in, the, in this psalm, look at verse number 32, what the Bible says here. It says, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs and there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation and sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that 
they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to be, uh, to, to be de decreased. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. Folks, I don't know how your life has been going these last couple months, but when I look at this psalm here and I read those verses we just looked at, how God can take a wilderness and he can make it a, the Bible word here, a water spring. And how God can then take a water spring and he can make it into a wilderness. How God can take the poor through his afflictions, the Bible says there, and he can lift up the poor and he can do something amazing with his life. How is that possible? Because God can do all things. Nothing is impossible. And so this morning, if you're at your wit's end, I want you to be thinking about this. Maybe, maybe you're saying this morning, well, I'm not there, Pastor. Look, look, maybe you've been there already. Maybe you will get there someday. But when I look at this particular passage, I think about this, that we will at times in our lives, we'll do just like the psalmist. We'll raise our hands to surrender to the Lord, and we will say to God, God, this is too big for me, but it is not too big for you. And I want you to see this morning that the Lord wants to do something. And we, like the psalmist, need to cry out to him and realize that we can do nothing. Notice, first of all, this morning, I want you to, first of all, draw your attention to the Lord we laurel. The Lord we laurel. You say, Pastor, laurel, it's another word for praise. It's another word that we see here in verse number one of Psalm 107. Look at it. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth for how long? Forever. You see, the Lord is good. The Lord does not change, and may we never get to the place where you and I think, well, God is not good, or God has not been good to me. Now listen, that is something that the devil, remember back in Genesis when God placed the man and the woman in the garden and, and God says, you can have anything in the garden except what's on the tree in the midst of the garden. Sounds to me like a pretty good deal. Kind of like when it comes to giving to the Lord, God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you everything you have, and I only ask that you give me 10%, and you can keep the other 90. And a lot of times people say, well, listen, I want all 100. The Bible says when you rob God, listen, you're, you will not receive the blessings of God. And the devil told the man and the woman in the garden, he says, listen, God hasn't been good to you because if God was good to you, he'd let you have everything that is in the garden. And I see this situation here, how that, that somehow the man and the woman, they forgot something that even many Christians have forgotten, and that is God is good all the time. Notice what the Bible says in John 8, last part of verse 44 about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he abode not in the truth, but there is no truth in him. When he speaketh, he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and he is the father of it. Just say it with me this morning. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. 
The devil's not going to tell you the truth. You know why? Because Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, the devil is a liar. And so many times what we do is we listen to the lies of the devil. Folks, don't listen to what the devil is saying. When you doubt the goodness of God and you get to that place in your life where you think, well, God hasn't been good to me. Why would God let me go through this? And you're at your wit's end. Listen, that's dangerous ground to be on. It's thinking that God is not good to you. The Lord is good no matter what. No matter where you are in your life today, the Lord we know is good. He always has been. And God always will be. You know why? Because God changes not. And the psalmist says here, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. See, the Lord is good. He was good before you were born. And he will be good after you and I are gone. See, I find here that the Lord we laurel is because he is good. But notice also he is generous. The Bible says in the last part of verse number one, for his mercy endureth, how long again? Forever. Aren't you glad for the mercies of the Lord that are new each day? That's what the Bible tells us. Thank God for his mercy that, listen, we don't get what we do deserve. That's the mercy of God. What we deserve, certainly because of our sinful nature, is we all deserve to, to die in our sins and go to a Christless eternity. That's according to the word of God. That's what we deserve. If it was not for God's mercy, then according to the word of God, we would all be consumed by his wrath. But God is merciful. Everything God does is because his mercy endureth forever. Many of you have, might not recognize the name as James Cash Penny. J.C. Penny, now some of you are shaking your heads. James Cash Penny had a godly heritage as a child. He, was, he carried a lot of those convictions that he learned as a child into his adulthood. He learned, by the way, that's why I love children's ministries. I'm excited about getting back to having things for our children and, and so on. But James Cash Penny had a lot of things that he learned and he carried those convictions he was a hard worker, and he was honest, and he maintained a, a godly lifestyle as he became successful in business. But when the time of the Great Depression hit, Penny was overextended, and it appeared that he was going to lose everything that he worked for. His health seemed to begin to break, and Penny found himself in the hospital, and he was there in the hospital in severe pain. And he thought he was going to die, and so as he was laying there in his bed thinking that he was going to die, maybe at his wit's end, he, he wrote farewell letters to his family members. Later on, because God sustained him, Penny wrote these words, I was broken nervously and physically, filled with despair, unable to see even a ray of hope. I had nothing to live for. I felt I hadn't a friend left in the world that even my family turned against me, kind of sound like Job. But the next morning, Penny heard singing coming from the hospital chapel. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide, God will take care of you. Penny heard those words, and it began to rekindle his faith in his heart 
towards God, that God was good. And he says, I can't explain it. I can only call it a miracle. I felt as if I had been instantly lifted out of the darkness of the dungeon into a warm, brilliant sunlight. You know, folks, I don't know if you've been there, but Penny found himself and many other good people have found themselves at their wit's end. God has been so good to us all, has he not? Looking back across your life, and maybe you've done this, I spent some time the last couple of days thinking about this, how I can look back, maybe like Penny did, and I can see the times that God allowed me, listen, he allowed me to live. I can look back and I can see how God, at certain times in my life, kept me from danger. Maybe you could say the same thing this morning. See, that's why he's the God we laurel. That's why we praise him. The psalmist said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. In the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. You know what that means? The psalmist there in Psalm 23 says, look, I've made it to my wit's end at times in my life. But he says God's mercy was there. And the psalmist was praising God. Why? For his goodness and for his generosity. But I also see that we look in Psalm 107. And not only the Lord we laurel, but I see this psalm helps us to understand the life we live. And as I think about those that that are being described here and and really how much it, it relates to mankind as a whole, I see four aspects that are described here. Notice there are those that disregard. Look in verse number three, what the Bible says here in Psalm 107. It says those that disregard, in other words, those that pay no attention to, those that are ignoring the goodness of God. The Bible says in verse 3, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and to the north and from the north and from the south. And they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. See, the Bible's describing people here, like so many today, that, that need direction in their lives. Everyone needs direction because we are like sheep. We wander around aimlessly. The Bible says in the Old Testament, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. We all need directions. We all need Siri. Every last one of us. We need GPSs. We need God to direct our lives. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we will not have direction in our lives until what we just read, until we cry out to the Lord. That's what it, look at verse 6 again. Then, hungry, thirsty, fainting, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, at their wit's end. They cried out to God, and listen, in our lives, when we cry out to the Lord, then the Lord will deliver us. And look at verse number 8. The Bible says, as the Lord delivered them, 
the Bible says again that we should praise him for his deliverance, for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Hey, look, when we take God for granted, that is something that our human nature does. What we're really saying is, God, I don't need you. But when you make it to your wit's end, what are you going to do? You see, I see those that disregard, but I also see those that are disobedient. Look at verse number 9 as we read on. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. As the Bible's describing here, those that are disobedient, those that are rebellious, those that will not submit to the word of God. Hey, listen, can I tell you this morning that God's word is the authority that you and I need in our lives. God's word will help us to understand how the Lord wants us to live. And when I see this sad statement here, how the Bible says that he brought, verse number 12, he brought them down in their hearts with labor. They fell down, and look what it says, and there was none to help him. Can I just say this? might sound odd to you this morning. Thank God there was no one to help them. Because they came to their wit's end. And remember, when we come to our wit's end, that's when we're finally willing to say, okay, Lord, I can't do this. I need you. And that's what the Bible says here. They were at their wit's end. I think about how oftentimes in our lives we find ourselves in similar situations. You know, I, I, I've thought about this many times about being a parent. I love my children. But you know, the, the hardest thing about parenting is trying not to play God to your children. Listen, that's not our place. Now, God's given those children to us, listen, to raise for him. But so many times, we try to be God in their lives. We need to realize that God wants to work in their lives, that God wants to show them things in their lives. And your children, are you listening to me, parents? Just like you and I, your children are accountable to God for themselves. You know, as, as children get older, many times... They want to blame their parents for this and blame their parents for that. But when they start to come into adulthood, when they start to come to the place where they're making decisions for their own lives, listen, they are the ones by their own free will that are making those decisions. And they, like you, will be accountable to the Lord. The Bible says here in verses 10 and 11 that these are people that have been brought down. Why? Because they are rebellious against the very words of God. And listen, oftentimes what the devil does, just like in the Garden of Eden, the devil promises us freedom. But listen, with the devil's promises, there's always going to be something attached. Many times the devil promises freedom, but that freedom only brings bondage. Why? Because as we said earlier, the devil's a liar. He's the father of it. God allows people to be brought low, and he allows the fact that no one would be there to help them so that they come to their wit's end, so that there is no one else there but God. Look at verse 13. Then 
they cried unto the Lord. Are you noticing a pattern? And he, look at the goodness of God, his mercy enduring. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and brake their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know, I say praise God. See, I see how he's describing the life that we live. There are those that disregard, they, they pay no attention to God. They, 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 they ignore the things that God wants for their lives. They're disobedient. They're rebelling against the very words of God. They will not submit themselves to the authority of God's word. But they notice there are also those that are described as declining. Look at verse 17. Fools because of their transgression, because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. The Bible's describing people here that are sick because of sin. Maybe you've known people, maybe you've been there yourself because of the, the sinful life we live. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin. There's a price tag when it comes to sin. And the Bible's describing people here that are on a downward slope instead of people that are going towards God. Because of their sin, they're described as people being near death's door. They are people who are literally about to kill themselves because of their sin. Look at verse 19. Notice again. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And what does he do by his mercy? He saveth them out of their distresses. Here it is. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Boy, aren't you glad this morning how God can heal us by his word. That's what the Bible says right here. There, there is healing power in the very words of God. Why? Because God said the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, People that are declining, what they need more than anything in this world today is to hear from God, to hear the very words of God. Out of their trouble, at their wit's end, they cry unto the Lord. And then notice this fourth group of people that I see described here about how we live our lives. And maybe a lot of us can relate to those that are distressed. Look at verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep, for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the, to, to the heaven, they go down again to the depths, their soul is melted because of trouble. Anybody understand that statement there? Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro. The Bible says they stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. These are people that are, by God, they are brought low. Why? Because of trouble in their lives. Now remember, God will not do anything to hurt his children, but understand that God allows trials in our lives. He allows certain things to come into our lives. And there, there is such a thing as people 
who are trying to do the right thing and they are still having trouble. It's described here as sometimes great trouble. The Bible says their soul is melted. And listen, here's the thought that I had is, what should you and I do when we are brought to this point, when we are brought low because of trouble? Well, look at verse 28 again. Here's the answer. Cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. Are you at your wit's end today because of something or maybe someone that has brought you to that place? You see, God brings us to our wit's end. Why would God do that? Because God wants us to trust him. And God allows these burdens to become greater in our lives. Why? So that we would come to our wit's end. Remember, the Bible says there was no one to help them. So what did they do? They cried out to the Lord, and he delivered them out of their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. See, till we realize that we can't help it, we're never going to come to the place where we realize we need the Lord. I wonder this morning if you're like me, and you realize you need God. We need the Lord in our lives over and over again. Verse number 6, verse number 13, verse number 19, verse number 28. The Bible says, look at each one of them. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Why? For his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You see, I think about the Lord that we laurel. We ought to praise God. I think about the lives that, the life that we live and how some are disregarding the things that they should be paying attention to. They are disobedient uh, towards the words of God. They are living a life of sin and they're declining, heading towards death's door. And I think about those that are distressed today who have found themselves at their wit's end. And so look at, at the end of this, this, this morning. I want you to notice the lesson that we learn. And here it is. Look at the last verse of Psalm 107. The Bible says in verse 43, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand, well, what should we understand? Here it is, the loving kindness of the Lord. Do you know that God loves you? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's how much God loves you. God loves us, look at the word there, loving kindness. And when people, according to what we've seen in Psalm 107, people that are in great sorrow, people that are in sin, people that are in trouble, when they cry out to the Lord, here's the lesson, He will deliver us. We can look back at, at our lives, look back at the experiences. Can you today thank God for the things that God has allowed you to go through? Times where you look to others to help you and you could find no one. And it was during those times that God was ever so close to you. See, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Being at your wit's end is not a bad place. It's actually a great place to be. Because when we come to our wit's end is when we really say, Lord, I want you to take control. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I wonder that this morning, where are you in your life? Are you at your wit's end? 
I can tell you this from experience, that if you find yourself there, it's because God has let you get to that place. So many times, I, as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, I've tried to figure out my life, I've tried to figure out circumstances, I've tried to lead my family, my children. And God has brought me time and time again to my wit's end. Where I've been puzzled, I've become unglued, I, 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 I struggle. Until I get to the place where I realize it's because I'm trying to instead of letting God be God. I wonder this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, how many of you this morning, if you're a Christian, would agree with the psalmist today that you have found yourself or you are even today, your life's in trouble. And you've been trying to figure it out, but you're at your wit's end. Would you raise your hand this morning? I just don't know what to do. Raise your hand around the auditorium. I see many hands. How many of you have come to understand this morning that you may have family, you may have some good friends, and praise the Lord for that. But you see, you're going to have to come to the place where you realize that the only person and the person you need is the Lord. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I'm going to ask Brother Kenny to come. I want Brother Kenny to turn to the song, Only Trust Him. I want you to think about this song this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you need the Lord in your life today, I want you to come this morning. The altar's open, the invitation's open this morning. Would you come to the Lord today? Only trust Him. Only trust Him. Why? Because He is good. Because His mercy endureth forever. The altar's open this morning. Brother Kenny, you lead us in the song. You listen this morning. Come to the Lord this morning if you need to spend some time with the Lord. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you come?